0: Listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it, Paul proclaims to the Corinthian church community, a community that had become fragmented marked by division and the development of a kind of a pecking order or hierarchy, partly based on who had what spiritual gift. Can't you see there's no room for that kind of thinking in the church, he's trying to say, for just as the body, physical body, is one and has many members or parts, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ." So with all of the divisions and the arguments and the dissent and the pecking order, you're heading down a blind alley here, people. Let me show you how things work in and through Christ. That image of the body of Christ is one of Paul's greatest gifts to the church, one of his most lasting contributions to our language. He's already used it a little earlier in this letter to the Corinthians in the context of trying to get them to sort out their increasingly distorted communion practices. Practices that were also creating division. Because there is one bread, he wrote, we who are many are one body, for we all partake in the one bread. And he will return to the image in later letters, in Romans, Colossians, Ephesians, But I actually think it's really striking that it appears first in this letter to a distressed, troubled church community. Here's the thing, though. Paul didn't invent the use of body imagery as a way of speaking about a group of people. It was an image used in the Roman world, apparently quite commonly. Most often, though, to support the status quo. For a Roman philosopher reflecting on the nature of the political world, to say that the city was like a body was to say that the social hierarchy was necessary, right, and good. In the words of the biblical scholar Brian Peterson, the point was that every body needs a head. And in society, that was provided by the wealthy the rulers and the elite. Everybody needs hands and feet to do the hard and dirty work, and that was provided in society by just about everyone else. So kind of a ruler and peasant system. Yet Paul essentially takes that image and subverts it, insisting that it is precisely because we are a body, the body of Christ, that the social hierarchy of the Roman dominant society has been rendered meaningless. He plays with the image for several verses, and I actually imagine that he had a bit bit of a mischievous smile on his face as he wrote. I think we should see a kind of a sparkle in his eye. He says, "...the body does not consist of one member, one part, but many." If the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? I mean, I think he is playing. It's obvious that that's not the way that physical bodies work. All eye or all ear or one part saying, I'm not this, so I got to leave. It's not all eyes or ears. A foot is no less a part of the body than a hand. As it is, he continues, there are many members, yet one body. Now, Paul is well aware that his Corinthian readers are probably quite familiar with the more conventional Roman usage, in which this city as body is a way of describing ruler and the rest of us. So now he really begins to work it in this fresh new way. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. In the body, the physical human body... It's simply not within the order of things for one to say to the other, I have no need of you. On the contrary, Paul continues, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Those members of the body, remember again, he's still mostly trying to get them to think about a physical human body. Those members, those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members don't need this. Now, he's pressing the image. He's playing with it, pressing it hard. Looking at the physical human body, he says that the parts that are weak, or maybe that means what sensitive, vulnerable, speaking maybe of something like our eyes, which are really quite vulnerable to injury, when you think about it, yet are so necessary day to day, these are the parts that are actually really important. And the less honorable or respectable parts He's probably referring not only to our sexual organs, but to our plumbing, so to speak, all of our digestive system, the parts of us that need to be treated with value and respect. I mean, quite honestly, I'm not sure what in heaven's name my spleen does. But I know that if my doctor tells me I've got a problem with my spleen, I better do something about it. Now Paul makes the move. God has so arranged the body, giving greater honor to the inferior member. And we're thinking, right, In the physical body, it's the spleen, the liver, the bowels, and the like that just keep working away. But their work is part of what makes us alive and whole. And if it stops, we die. That needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be valued and honored. That's the way our bodies work. But by this point in his image, Paul is madly shifting gears... God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior members, that there may be no dissension within the body. Remember, he's writing to a conflicted community. That there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. And all of a sudden, he's really talking about community. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it, all share in that honor. Suddenly you realize he is indeed utterly focused on the church by this point. The Corinthian church specifically with its growing hierarchies, divisions, and competitions over who has the best spiritual gift. He's saying to them, look at your physical bodies, respect how they work. Now you do that together as community, not with Lord and vassals, but as one organic whole. This isn't Roman civil society with the rulers and the elite sitting at the top as the head. And the hoi polloi. It's not a great word. The hoi polloi. It's the Greek term for the many, the masses, the common people. The hoi polloi, doing all the hard and dirty work. That's the way the dominant society works. No, in the church, this is a whole new thing, an entirely different economy in which if anyone is to receive the greater respect or honor, it is the one who for the civil society would be deemed the last, the least, the little, the taken for granted. In God's new thing, Paul writes, there is to be no dissension within the body But instead, the members should have the same care for one another. If one of you is suffering, all of you are suffering. If one of you is honored, all of you share in the rejoicing over that honor. Now, just a wee bit of an aside. I think it's important to notice that for Paul, the way that these folks in Corinth were bound together as this organic body was through baptism. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. Your baptism, he's saying, removed the old divisions between Jew and Gentile, slave and free. It also means that whether you're a spleen, hands, or maybe even the beating heart, We're all in this together. Now, some of us here, myself included, were baptized as infants. Some were baptized as teenagers, maybe young teenagers, just at the point when the hormones were really kicking in and you were just beginning to figure out how to walk in that awkward teenage body and what you really believed. Some here were baptized as adults Some here are still in a still-not-baptized space. We really should talk about that at some point. Soon. Easter's coming. We'll talk. Regardless, though, of when you were baptized, or whether it was immersion or sprinkling or pouring or in a lake or a pool, regardless of that, it points all along the way We all need to stop and lay hold of the force of our baptism, our incorporation into the body of Christ, and to choose again to live it, to do this faith, and to do it together. That's Paul's burning concern. Again, from Brian Peterson. Since the church is intended to be a foretaste of the final reconciliation of all things that God promises, Paul calls the church to start acting that way. It's meant to be a bracing wake-up call for the divided church in Corinth. But they're not the only ones who might need to hear that wake-up call. Start enacting the faith, the promised future that is the final reconciliation of all things. Diversity, Peterson writes, diversity within the church is not a problem to be avoided, solved, or managed, but a gift of God's grace and a sign. Of the Spirit at work. The different gifts of the Spirit form us in such a way that we do and indeed must belong to one another. And that's belong to one another, regardless of any moments of division or difference. In fact, part of what Paul's saying to Corinth is because you're so divided, you need more deeply to belong to one another. Diversity is to be embraced as a gift. Paul concludes this section of his letter with a statement that bridges to what he most needs to say to the Corinthian church. He says, I will show you a still more excellent way. And he will, which is what we will go on to next week as we consider 1 Corinthians 13. Probably one of the most familiar chapters in the entire New Testament. Many, many, many a wedding is marked by 1 Corinthians 13. Not a bad thing. But there can be a lot of sentimentality attached to that great hymn of love. Next Sunday, I'm going to invite you to hear it freed of that sentimentality to hear Paul speak with his most clear-eyed and poetic voice as he calls a community, an organic community, the body of Christ into a different way of loving, even if they don't like one another. For now, just hear his words again. You are the body of Christ, individually members of it. So... Let's all keep seeking ways of making that real. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the Church... Or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.